0: back to is it horror
1: i'm joe i'm matt
0: i'm Mitz. and i'm steve for those of you who haven't joined us on our show before what we do is we take movie or eventually other forms of media and we analyze whether or not it could be considered horror this episode is going to be a special bonus episode because we're off our normal release schedule and we're going to be talking about 1984's ghostbusters
2: Yay! Woo!
0: Cool. We figured we'd talk about it in time for the release of Ghostbusters Afterlife. So hopefully if all goes according to plan, you'll be listening to this the same day that that movie comes out. And I'm going to give you a big spoiler warning, of course. Whenever we talk about any of these movies, we're going to be discussing all the details of it. So uh, just be prepared for that if you haven't seen it before. Ghostbusters came out in 1984. directed by Ivan Reitman. It's written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Uh, Dan Aykroyd originally had the idea and he was working on it with the idea that him and John Belushi would star in it and he had kind of a much more ambitious script as I understand it that involved time travel and space travel and other dimensions and it was going to be a whole big thing but then John Belushi died in 82 and Aykroyd's script was deemed a bit too expensive, so eventually they hired on Harold Ramis and they rewrote it to have it a bit more grounded and to take place in present day, at the time, at least present day New York. Columbia Pictures was uh, apparently pretty concerned about the budget because it was the most expensive comedy at the time. So I guess to give you a little background on what happened in the movie, in case you somehow never saw Ghostbusters, which seems like a weird thing to happen to me, but maybe someone out there hasn't the idea is that you have these three university professors although that's pretty loose they're scientists they're doing research sort of they end up getting fired from the university but they've been researching paranormal activity and decide to go into business for themselves so they start a ghost busting business where their intent is they're going to go out and find ghosts and they're going to trap them and just make some money doing it In doing that, they end up stumbling across a lady in an apartment building, played by Scorny Weaver, who basically lives in a building that's been constructed to bring about the end of the world. And so they realize this, and they have to stop a giant marshmallow man from destroying things. So that is the really, really short version of this movie. It's got Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, of course, Bill Murray. It's also got uh, Rick Moranis, and as mentioned, Sigourney Weaver, you got Ernie Hudson. All great actors in their own right, and been in all sorts of fun things.
1: A lot of big names in this movie that, you know, it's pretty cool. I
3: imagine it would have been a blast to film this with all those people, Dan Aykroyd, and you know, Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver, and every just all of those people sound like a blast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, too, you kind of get this thing where you're watching some of these performances and, you're like, some of them really committed. I feel like Sigourney Weaver especially and her character really committed.
2: She really committed to the, to the Zul role when she's possessed.
0: Absolutely.
1: I'd also say Bill Murray. Bill Murray was really committed to being Bill Murray, and it was <laughs> really good. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, he, he was. He did a good
0: job of playing himself in these fantastic settings so I guess before we say whether or not it's horror I guess I wanted to hear everybody's relationship to the movie just a little bit because this is one that I know you know goes way back for me so I guess when did everybody see this movie for the first time
3: Uh, I don't know when I exactly when I saw it the first time but it's been kind of a classic for me for as long as I can remember really watched it all growing up so it's just been there in the background forever for me
1: I remember this always like whenever it was uh, on TV because our father is a big fan of Bill Murray stuff in general. And so whenever this was on TV, it was pretty much always on in our house. I remember I think you had like the Ghostbusters car. I had
0: the car. I had tons of the action figures. I had a working trap. It must have been like the... From the TV show, maybe? I kind of was thinking about that the other day and was wondering what happened to it.
1: And you, like, stepped on it and it had, like, a a pump thing and it would open up, right? Yeah, it had,
0: you know, air pressure to make it open. It was really cool.
1: Yeah, I remember we had all those toys in the house. So that's my relationship with Ghostbusters.
2: I have not seen this movie since, uh, I don't know, 15 years or so. I think I watched it. I found it through my dad. Also, he loved to watch, you know, those corny classic movies whenever they came on TV. So I think I watched it with him around ten or something. I actually understand it better now. You know, at ten you're just like, oh, cool, dumb looking ghost. Just, haha, funny. It's it's still like that, but <laughs> I understand it a little <laughs> bit better.
1: You understand the motivation behind Slimer now, you know?
2: Exactly. Like, I didn't understand as a kid why why the Marshmallow Man was the way he was, you know? Like, why that guy, you know? I understand now.
0: It all makes sense. It all fits into place. I think one of the things that... So I grew up watching this movie, and I loved it, and I loved the TV show and had all the toys. It does have a lot of more adult humor that you don't get as a kid, even though it functions as a kid's movie in a little bit of some ways. But I remember watching on TV, too, so I think I was a little bit older before I saw, like, the Dan Aykroyd getting a blowjob from a ghost scene. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that's not one that I thought of. And then the other thing, too, that I remember, I remember distinctly when it occurred to me why it was the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper And watching it with some friends in the kitchen of our house and explaining it, or at least mentioning it with a, (laughs) you know, elbow to the side sort of thing. And then our parents taking me into the other room and telling me that was not okay. (laughs) Cool. Well, all right, let's go around and see what everybody thought.
3: Um, I guess for me, I uh, have never really thought of this movie as horror. Uh, I've always thought of it more of, more of a comedy, and I guess I, you know, even as a kid, didn't really find it that scary. Maybe a couple of the scenes, which I'm sure we'll get into and talk about. Yeah, I've always thought of it as definitely a comedy over anything else, and I guess that's pretty much where I still fall.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was trying to look for anything that I could consider horror, and uh, there's just not enough it's pretty much all comedy and I just feel like uh especially with like Bill Murray's acting and the tone I was going into this thinking comedy and nothing has changed that for me
2: yep I'm gonna agree with these gentlemen I have never thought it was horror I still don't think it's horror but it is a great comedy I mean it's still it's still funny today so I can give it that much
0: I I tried and I thought it through and I tried to dissect it in my head but I'm still coming away as not horror on this one and one of the things that I guess I will say and I hope this is true of any of our episodes if you haven't listened to one before but the intent here isn't to gatekeep or tell anyone they're wrong if you run into someone who's a horror fan and they say I like Ghostbusters and I think it's a horror movie that's fine. That's their opinion. We can all have different opinions and hopefully treat each other with respect about those opinions. So, you know, this is fun to do and it's a fun exercise. And I think it's fun to analyze movies and try and figure this out, but don't take this as a, we're saying that we're right and you're wrong and that we need to fight about it. It just, it is what it is. So hopefully just enjoy, join us, listen, decide what you think.
1: I will still personally fight anyone that wants to fight though.
3: Yeah, it's going to say I'm down for a <laughs> rumble as well.
0: That's fine. Yeah, we can we can all fight. It's cool.
3: I don't know. Yeah, we looked at a lot of stuff in this movie. I don't know. There are a few scenes that might be able to be considered horror, but they're so quick and like in between a whole bunch of comedy that it's too hard to take the movie as a whole as horror. Even the opening scene with like the librarian walking through the library and, you know, the ghosts, you know, screwing up Dewey and his intricate decimal system, you know, that could be creepy under other circumstances if it wasn't for the kind of lighthearted sound design and, I don't know, some of the other stuff like that. That's
1: that's an interesting point because I think that this is maybe a good way to kind of gauge because uh, we're trying to figure out what is horror and you can kind of take this movie and look at it as okay this is the stuff that definitely isn't making this horror and kind of use it to compare other things like especially the tone the music the dialogue those things for me are really what make it not horror because that's the basically that scene in the library with the old lady ghost was like the only scene that in my head i was thinking could maybe kind of be like a horror scene But it's like, you know, they kind of run out and it's, you know, this scary kind of joke. And it brought me back to like how in Gremlins, how you have the lady getting shot out of the window and you would think, well, if it's comedy, she's going to pop up and be like, no, that those darn Gremlins. And whereas, you know, if she if it's horror, she'll actually just be dead. And I think it's kind of relevant here. It was just a very comedic scene at the end of it all.
3: Yeah, I think that that's a good, and valid point. There are a couple other scenes like kind of always, you know, maybe slightly creeped me out a little bit was like the scene when Dana gets home from her apartment. And then the camera pans over to the kitchen door and it's like all glowing and stuff is pushing through it and she's just like oh shit and then like all the hands pop out of the couch and like totally grope her all over the place and then pull her into the kitchen there yeah that's fair yeah yeah
0: i think you definitely get some of those moments that they really do feel like they belong in a horror movie and that they they make sense like that because yeah just thinking about the chair for instance too you know we've got like the the monster's face or hands pushing against the you know latex door and it looks very much like the wall behind nancy in a nightmare on elm street and so i was kind of reminiscent of that and i do like the use of light in their horror scenes too because there are things that are dark but i'm always kind of a sucker for when you have like bright lights coming out of a creature's mouth or eyes or whatnot i i don't know so like yeah i agree those scenes function really well but there's so few of them in the movie too that it's a little bit hard to think of the film as horror when you look at it overall like I think I was doing I did the math on it because I was re-watching some of those sequences that are horror like we're talking about you know the intro on the library and of course all the scenes with Gozer and the final finale and everything and for a 105 minute movie that's maybe 20 minutes of the movie and really about 15 of those 20 minutes that are actually trying to lean into horror.
2: Yeah, something we talked about last week was intent. What was this movie's intent and in that having a lot to do with whether or not it's horror? But we also talked about how sometimes it doesn't matter what the intent is. But I think definitely the intent of this movie is not to be horror and therefore it does not come across that way. And you can tell from any time there's a slightly, um, you know, spooky or horror-esque scene, it's immediately followed by a joke, like within seconds. Like, for example, at the beginning, the, the library scene with the ghost, it's immediately followed by them comically running out and I'll, we'll get back to you, you know. So I think the intent is not to be scary, but to be funny, and that's basically what makes it not horror to me.
0: So it is kind of interesting that you would say that too, because I wish that I still had the quote pulled up, but I was kind of looking into this and Ivan Reitman, the director, at least he was saying that part of what he thought made the movie function well is that he, when they were shooting the scenes that were horrific, then he was shooting it to be horror. And then when he was shooting the comedic scenes, he was shooting it to be comedy and that they were kind of leaning hard into both. So, I mean, of course, that's not him saying that he meant the movie to be horror, but just that that was the intent when they were filming the horror, like the horrific scenes. So I thought that was interesting just hearing him say that, because I don't know. I'm not sure what it would necessarily running through their head while they were doing those sequences.
1: That is a valid point, because if you, if you just watched a montage of every time a ghost is on screen those moments might be kind of horrific, but it's how they approach the scene and how they end the scene that turns it comedic.
0: Yeah. Cause I definitely agree with the other point that you made there, Mitz. with every tense scene is undercut by some sort of humor. And I think maybe that's why the scenes where it's just Sigourney Weaver end up feeling more like horror you know when she does see the monster in the fridge when she's taken in the chair i think because there's there's no one there to undercut that right
2: yeah that makes sense
0: but like when she's possessed right and you've got bill murray there in the scene with her i mean she's she's playing it 100 percent straight but then he's undercutting every part of that moment and cracking jokes and things like that during it Like she's in a horror movie and he's doing young Frankenstein and rolling in the hay.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Steve, you and I talked about this a bit, just where like all the ghosts and all that stuff, with maybe the exception of Slimer, are played pretty straight. You know, it makes sense now that you're saying that whole thing about like the director meant to like film those parts as horror and then just overlaid it with, a uh, you know, the comedy of it all. Um, but, you know, the effect of that is that it it just takes all the bite out of the all the horror things for me.
0: Yeah, and I do think that is interesting, that part of it. I do feel like the, the ghosts are often played straight. I don't know, I just make the analogy in my head of Shaun of the Dead when you think about that one is uh, the comedy comes from the people's reaction to things, not from the zombies. The zombies are always straight horror zombies in that movie, and it was kind of, Not to the same extent, mind you, because for me at least, I feel like Shaun of the Dead is horror, where this one isn't, but I think that there's the same sort of approach to it. So another thing that I was thinking about in terms of this movie is, so obviously we're talking about the comedic tone, but one of the other concepts that I think comes up, you know, a bit in this movie, especially with the finale and everything that's going on with that, is that it is an apocalyptic life ending scenario that's going on here that they're fighting against and so it is a monster that's that's planning on jump-starting that and you've got ray and winston in the car talking about the bible and talking about the apocalypse there so there's that mood in that sequence do you think that a movie that's dealing with extra-dimensional almost Lovecraftian monsters coming to end the world, does that change things? Does that is that something that you can do in a horror movie that you can't do in other movies? Does that influence how you feel about it? And if it doesn't matter, why doesn't it matter?
1: I think uh, what I'm coming to feel on a lot of these is that it's really just all about tone. I, I've talked before about how if the stakes are high, like if there are people who are permanently dead or the world is at stake or things like that, that I could see that being a one of the ingredients of horror. But the tone and how all of this is portrayed, especially that this is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man rather than like some other more scary depiction, the tone of it just makes it completely not horror for me.
3: I mean, I think the concept of like, you know, opening a gate to another dimension is definitely can and often does fall into kind of the horror idea. I don't know. I guess maybe this is a movie of an example of it can't, it doesn't always mean it's horror because I, yeah, don't think this movie is horror. Um, but you know, the comes, uh, crap now. Uh, now I can't think of the name of the movie, but it's uh, Sam Neill, uh, is John Carpenter. Uh,
0: in the Mouth of Madness?
3: Yeah, that's the one, In the Mouth of Madness. Anyways, uh, I guess that's kind of what comes to mind uh, with us talking about this, just opening another dimension and having a bunch of creatures pop through. Maybe if we had talked about this concept before watching this movie, I would say, oh yeah, that's uh, that's one of those tropes that definitely falls in into horror, but in the context of this movie I yeah I guess it, it doesn't anymore
0: <laughs> yeah I think that I would tend to agree with that because it is a concept and this is one of those things that I found somebody talking about online is the idea that there's a very Lovecraftian cosmic horror here and that's something that never occurred to me since I watched the movie before I was even aware of those concepts so I think before watching this movie, I would have said that's something that you would generally find in a horror movie. That if you are dealing with those concepts, then that's what it has to be. But then watching this movie and seeing them kind of play it off so light, and then having the cosmic horror turn into a giant marshmallow person, even with that idea in play, it's still. It doesn't get there.
2: It's more of like a means to an end than an actual plot point. I mean, it is a plot point, but it's more. It's not extended on enough for it to matter, really. It's more of just like, how are we going to get this marshmallow guy to make sense? You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Like, it's, we want to get this in here, and it's a funny thing to do. and, And they don't dwell on any of the darker aspects of that concept. You know, the idea that, yeah, this big marshmallow thing could be the means of ending the world. But, yeah, they just, they don't spend any time with that. So they don't give you time to concern yourself with it.
3: Something I was seeing about the kind of original uh, idea for the movie is they always had the Marshmallow Man in there, but he was, I guess, originally going to be more just one of your average ghosts that you were fighting, and there was going to be a whole bunch of kind of big bads running around, uh, and the Marshmallow Man actually came up way earlier in the movie uh, with uh, under the original cut.
0: Oh, I hadn't heard that. That's interesting. So they just decided, hey, this works. So let's make it a showcase piece.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I I don't know. I'm not going to say I know a ton about it, but I had just read a little blurb about it that was, uh, you know, said, yeah, the original idea with the huge budget that you'd mentioned earlier, Steve, was like they would be, you know, time traveling and dimension traveling. And like there was going to be a whole bunch of big bads running around tearing up the city. Um, but yeah, then they uh, cut it down to just having, you know, the marshmallow man there at the end.
0: So another concept I was thinking about in terms of this movie, too, is the idea of the the horror hero. Now, you have a lot of horror movies that have Final Girls. That is a staple of the genre. But the idea of the horror hero, which is, you know, the the capable character who is really in the mix and fighting back. One of the big ones that always comes to mind is Ash from the Evil Dead series. But I think that you can also look at uh, further back at like Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter from the uh, Hammer Horror movies. You can look at uh, Selene, I think would maybe qualify from Underworld if you consider that a horror movie. But so it's the concept that you've got this hero that you're focusing on that's capable and that they are formidable and you're putting them in the horror situation. And I think that that always makes it a little bit harder to sell the horror than movies where you just have an average person who comes up against this. Having someone who is, understands the situation and is prepared for it, I think, makes it difficult to strike that tone. What do you guys think?
3: I would agree with that. Like You mentioned Underworld and you know, some of the movies like that. You know, there's tons of stuff that can be considered horror. And I, I haven't put Underworld to the test yet. I'm not positive whether I think it's horror or not. Yeah, but I think it is a little bit harder to think of it as horror because of that concept. It's just like, yeah, you've got a kind of ultimate badass there. So takes a lot of the bite out of it, I guess.
2: I don't know. I'm I've been thinking about it. And I can't really come to a conclusion about what I think about that. Because I understand what you're saying. Most of the classics have like an accidental hero. And I feel like if there's a big badass, then it kind of steers into action instead of horror. But I don't know. I don't. It's an interesting discussion.
0: And I think of um, another good example going into this too with this concept is maybe Predator. Because that's definitely one I go back and forth on whether it's horror. But one of the things that makes it hard for me to look at that movie as horror is looking at, you know, action star Arnold Schwarzenegger going in there. He's got the guns, he's got the brawn, and you kind of feel like, yeah, if it was a toe-to-toe, just punch-fest between him and the Predator, I think that he'd have a good chance, you know? So it's a little bit hard to see it as horror, again, looking at that same concept, right? Like, you've got this formidable person, so... I can't be that scared while i'm watching it
1: if it bleeds we can kill it
0: or if it leaks ectoplasm
3: get out of my brain
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) to to counterpoint that uh i would bring up like the buffy the vampire slayer tv show which i feel definitely had some horror moments for me
0: i think that's a good example
1: uh but maybe a little bit different It might be a little bit different because Buffy is often uh, like outclassed by her enemies, whereas Arnold is never to be outclassed, but I think it relates.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So I guess what would be, I mean, there's obviously other factors that make it different, but what do you think that they're able to accomplish there with their horror hero in Buffy that Ghostbusters isn't able to accomplish in that same way with theirs?
1: I think you definitely do have the whole idea where like every time Bill Murray is walking into a scene with ghosts, he just looks like he's completely just out of his element. He he's like very passive, but also like, the hell's going on here? <laughs> like none of them have any experience. It's all their first time doing any of this.
0: First time? Never happened to you before? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just like, um, whereas when you're talking about Buffy. Buffy is formidable. She has these powers to begin with. But it is also, she's encountering things all the time that she's never encountered before and learning and growing. But she has this base to work from where like the Ghostbusters team is like, okay, this is the first time we're actually encountering something that's real and paranormal. We're all on on ground level here, basically. We just happen to have this science behind it that we that's been theoretical up until now
0: i think maybe that's part of i think one of the things you hit on there too i think maybe makes the difference not to you know get into a whole thing with buffy the vampire slayer but obviously that show despite having vampire in the name don't they don't always deal with vampires. so there's still an element of the unknown you'd still get these things where you don't really know what their deal is and i think that that kind of happens with the ghostbusters too like they they introduce the movie, they introduce ghosts in the library, and you are like, oh, I don't know how this works. But then once they figure out how it works, it's mostly business as usual, and, you know, they even go about their more prolific busting of ghosts through an 80s-style montage, so you don't really get much thought on that. And then when they do encounter Gozer at the end, yeah, there is a bit of an unknown, but it it doesn't last for very long. So maybe that's part of what you get with this movie too, with these horror heroes, is that they're sort of facing the unknown, but rarely during the course of the time that you're watching it is, it's something that's completely unknown for them.
1: I would also add that at no point in in the movie at any time did I feel like any of them were in danger of actually getting hurt or dying. So. Right, (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: I was, I was going to say the scariest moment for me, funny enough, was when they fell into that hole. Because that's something that can actually happen, and then I was like, oh gosh, are they okay? That was the only time I felt uh, worried for them.
1: Yeah, we were like, sinkhole, <laughs> fuck. Like, you gotta watch out for that.
2: <laughs> yeah, that'll get you. Sinkholes get
0: you.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Cosmic horror, ghosts in the library, ghosts slamming and running through them, that's fine. But the sinkhole, that's that happens.
2: That's actually terrifying though in real life, you know?
1: It's true. You never know what is underneath the streets of New York, so
2: <laughs>
1: It's the
0: uh aneurysm of the brain aneurysm of infrastructure.
1: Damn, that's deep.
0: <laughs> it's a little Archer reference for you guys. Enjoy.
3: <laughs> I was going to say on the buffy line of things, uh I think one of the things that uh, makes a difference to me I'm never really worried for Buffy. You know, and there's definitely plenty of comedy in Buffy, but there's still real danger there. People die in that. And I was gonna this was a maybe a side note, well I'll get back to you, but I don't know is there anybody who actually gets killed in Ghostbusters?
0: I don't think so. I was trying to pay attention to that during and uh I no, I don't think so at all the only thing that even would maybe i would say you could maybe make an argument that they didn't make it is the ghost cab driver because i mean i'm sure he's not going to obey traffic rules rules so (laughs) there's that but yeah i mean like the ghostbusters survive even peck who they didn't like just gets doused in marshmallow at the end sigourney weaver and rick moranis's character they're both Fine ish by the end. I mean, we 100% know that because they're in the next movie and they're functional adults. So, I mean, yeah, everybody's okay when it's all said and done. But at the same time, I don't think that you even have to have a death for a movie to be a horror movie necessarily. Yeah, you definitely don't have any casualties from this film.
1: Oh, I've fallen in
3: marshmallow. (laughs) Right, I've fallen in marshmallow and I can't get up. Um, yeah, just uh, I guess in Buffy, like there's just a little bit more of the like more seriousness going on in the background. An apocalypse on Buffy. Buffy is called Wednesday, you know, and they they do face this, but uh, face this in Ghostbusters, but it's happening all the time in Buffy. And the the other thing that makes Buffy more horror to me is like. I can like really empathize with a lot of the characters, and like you can tell that the you know they care about each other, and like it matters to them if that everybody makes it through. And there's a lot more um, back and forth with this movie. Like none of them seem to really care about the situation. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. You know, they're kind of just all going through and doing things. And yes, it's an apocalypse, but they're just going on their merry way, cracking jokes
1: and yeah the tone of the movie is you're you're never feeling that they're not gonna beat this thing like it's always it's always just kind of okay, yeah they're gonna they're gonna get through this like there's no way this movie ends in a different way than them beating it <laughs> so
0: yeah, I would agree with that and I just I guess going back to Joe's point a little bit, the only time I can think of in the movie where there's any real concern by the characters over the state of people is there's a little bit from vankman's character from Bill Murray's character towards Sigourney Weaver's character you know he's a little bit worried in the apartment when she's possessed but not much of that scene occupies that space and then there's you know a little bit of the comments about oh you know Dan Aykroyd saying, Sorry, sorry, Venkman, you know, when he mentioned smells like wet dog. and uh, But uh, those scenes don't last very long. So, yeah, there's not. The characters aren't concerned. So, it's hard for you as an audience member to be concerned. So, the tension doesn't build because it's not building for them. Not really.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
2: The only time I felt that they also felt in danger was when the EPA was going to shut was about to shut off their machine and, you know, blow the building up. That's the only time they seemed panicked. Which is understandable, because that was scary for me. <laughs> I was like, what's gonna happen?
0: And it's like they're they're building tension in that moment with the ghosts getting out and going all over the city. That sequence is really good, and then but then you immediately go to the build up of uh not immediately mind you but you know the tension drops because they're in prison there's jokes there and then you get to the sequence where they're actually allowed to go do their job and they're driving up to the building and again like the tone there is is kind of more like here the conquering heroes showing up and they're not really at risk and when they're actually fighting goes around the rooftop there's not you know you don't have a lot of concern there either it's kind of it's it's fun action, but there's a lot of making space for jokes more than anything.
3: I think the, the point I was going to make about, I, I'm stuck on Buffy apparently now, but a difference for me with Buffy, like there's kind of, real consequences. Like you said, with this one, it's like, yeah, there's never a moment really when you're like, oh, they might not actually beat this thing. You always feel like, like they will. But in Buffy, there's kind of that tone, but there's a lot of defeat in Buffy as well. Like, you know, there's moments where she has to stab Angel through the heart and shove him through the portal. And like, that's how the season ends and like stuff like that, where it's, it feels higher stakes.
1: I mean, she even dies in the show a couple of times, right? so
3: <laughs> hey, I've died twice <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well,
0: I have another question in relation to that, so the ghosts in this they are very defeatable. You have uh the quote from Zedmore there at the end. I keep swapping back between actors' names and character names, but anyway, so Zedmore. Ernie Hudson's character he has that line at the end of the movie where he's like we've got the tools and we've got the talent and so and that's true throughout the movie right you are you establish that there's ghosts and you almost immediately establish that they can defeat any ghosts that they come across so now that you know that they're very defeatable does that make it harder for the movie to try and ramp up any tension surrounding the ghosts as a threat.
1: I, I think so, because in movies where you know, where you absolutely know that this is a horror movie, uh, something like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Well, more like Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, Halloween, like the whole focus is like escaping, especially in Nightmare on Elm Street, the whole focus is like, how are we going to stop this thing? Like, this thing appears to be unstoppable. So the idea of, you know, however, I'm counterpointing myself and my same point, uh, Do <laughs> like in zombie movies, you know, pretty much they always quickly figure out, well, we can kill these things by shooting them in the head. Right. So I don't know.
0: I guess my counterpoint to that though is with the zombie, within any zombie movie, right usually a zombie isn't a problem but that's not what you're dealing with you're dealing with a horde of zombies so yes is a zombie very killable yes and you know exactly how to do it most movies that present them but the apocalypse the zombie apocalypse itself the group of zombies as a whole do you know how to stop that no not really because yes in theory it's killing them one by one but you don't have the ammo you don't have the energy you don't have a safe place to stop between so i think that while individually they're defeatable the fact that in mass they're not is where is basically the the happy medium that most zombie movies exist so i feel like it still in a way manages to have its cake and eat it too as far as defeatable enemies go
1: yeah yeah i would agree as soon as i was like counterpointing my counterpoint i was thinking the same thing is that you're not afraid of the individual zombie or the individual vampire or whatever it is there's there's individual killer type horror movies and there's like swarms the un the unrelenting swarm of whatever kind of monster sort of thing so you have those two things but most i would wager that most horror movies Are focused around like trying to figure out how to defeat this antagonist whatever it is and ghostbusters has that solved in the first you know 20 minutes
3: yeah and we talked about the idea uh, in horror movies of kind of an unstoppable force coming for you or you know that kind of thing like how do we stop this thing but that there's never that moment in this movie or if it is it's extremely brief Like, you know, even when the Stay puffed Marshmallow Man shows up, they're like, oh, no, he's walking towards us. And then they're immediately like, well, let's cross the streams and that'll close the door. Like, you know, there's no moment to even feel like there's not a solution to the problem.
0: It's true. They don't really give you any time to live in that tension, which goes back to what we've been talking about with this movie all the way through. Right. Is that. There is some tension, but it's undercut or relieved almost immediately at at every turn. So, yeah, even that extends to facing the big bad of the film is, hey, here's the big bad. We don't know how to do this. Just kidding.
1: We do immediately. Yeah, exactly. There's, it goes back to before, right? There's really never any question of whether this is going to have long-term consequences for anybody. You're pretty sure all the time that everybody's going to be okay everybody's going to survive there's not going to be any danger and they're going to find a way to fix this and they like immediately figure that out
0: so one of the things that i would eventually like to do here and i'm sure we will get there is cover what is widely considered to be a straight out horror comedy because i think that they're a bit of an aberration in the horror genre because i feel like they play by different rules and so one of the things i guess in thinking with this is yes the tension doesn't build yes it's comedic yes the creatures are defeatable and the tone never really sits in the horror area but why isn't this horror comedy then what is the difference so if you're thinking of a horror comedy movie what does this one not have
3: i think for me it's uh it's lacking in its moments of oh shit. I guess like we've kind of talked about is I, I've never I'm never really worried about our characters like thinking about Shaun of the Dead like there's a lot of comedy in it but there are very serious moments too uh, that are not undercut by any comedy you know just thinking about a few of them you know just when like the one guy gets torn apart when he has to you know shoot his mom zombie and uh Z Momby? <laughs> There's just some of those moments that Ghostbusters doesn't have, like, just those moments that are real.
0: So if it had more of those real horror moments maybe for you?
3: Yeah, for me, I, I think that would have helped it be a little bit more horror. I don't know. Maybe it would have made a difference if, like, Dana and Louis, like, don't survive Their transformation into being dogs, or something like that, or there's like a real consequence for some of those things that would have maybe turned it a little bit for me.
1: I was just gonna say sort of a similar thing. It's that for this there there is no fear or lasting consequences to what's happening. Whereas it's hard not to compare to Shaun of the Dead, even if you look at another what I would consider a horror comedy that. What's the the zombie movie with Josh Gad that's, like, in Australia or is New Zealand?
0: Little Monsters.
1: Yeah, like, even if you look at, like, a movie like Little Monsters, like, there's consequences. At the end of the day, people, are, people die, not to keep comparing to Shaun of the Dead, but, like, that's another example of, like, okay, that movie's got 50% horror, 50% comedy, and kind of Shaun of the Dead has that, too. Where I think Ghostbusters has like less than a percent of the horror, really, for me, in both the tone and the consequences and the typical horror tropes, all the things that we've discussed.
0: So, is that maybe what kind of makes this feel a little bit different? Because I guess I'm thinking about other horror comedy movies, you know, some other more recent ones like Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and then of course, more classic ones like Evil Dead 2. And the thing that those all have in common well a lot of horror comedies have in common is that they still have a lot of gore to it not necessarily that that makes it the case but i think that is something that horror comedy tends to make sure to include is gore as a comedic element but then they also usually have body counts i'm trying to think if there's a horror comedy movie that i can think of where there isn't a body count and there's not gore
1: haven't seen Fido in a while, but the, even that one has a body count.
0: <laughs> it's true, yeah, even in that one there's a body count.
1: Not really gore as much in it, though.
0: There is some, but yeah, so I, I don't know. That's one where I think it'll be interesting to kind of go through and look at another horror comedy movie and kind of analyze that a bit, but I think maybe that's what it comes down to in this one, is maybe if there was more more of consequence for the characters, if they did have some people die it didn't even have to be the main characters but because at least until you get to the end of the movie it seems like the worst that you're going to deal with if you actually encounter a ghost is that you'll be scared and you might get slimed because the biggest interaction previous to that was just slimer in the hallway with peter venkman and bowling him over and there's some tension leading up to that. Of course, you're not thinking to yourself that Bill Murray's character is going to die. But then when you run into him, it's just he's covered in goo. That's as bad as it gets.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with the notion that there has to be more danger for it to qualify as a horror comedy. But I never felt like they were in danger and there were no casualties. So, yeah, I agree with all of that.
3: I think there's a little bit uh, of a thing that I maybe haven't hadn't previously thought about too much but it is kind of like a body horror or transformation horror with uh, dana and lewis both turning into dogs it all ends up being okay but it is kind of a creepy thing that humans you know first turn into possessed people and then turn into pretty gruesome creatures
0: it's true you do kind of get different elements of other horror genres within this too so yeah i was looking at the the body horror thing of course like you're saying the idea if you were watching some other movie and someone was turning into that i mean think of the uh werewolf transformation in an american werewolf in london for instance and how painful that has sometimes been portrayed but that's something that's kind of gets glossed over so that element's there and then of course you have demon possession here and you know you have the exorcist only having been less than 10 years earlier when it was released compared to this so that was very on people's mind but you get their demon possession but again it's still that very light tone in comparison even though yeah these should be very horrific elements someone turned into a dog you don't know if they'll ever be turned back then they're turned into stone and they're possessed by these extra dimensional creatures and yeah, it's it still plays them light, plays them for laughs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And on the body horror subject, I think even the way that they transform into dogs, it's not like a werewolf type of transformation where you're seeing them slowly transform into this creature. It's more of just like a we threw up a sheet and now they're a dog. <laughs> kind of a transform. Maybe the graphics kind of takes you out of it a little bit but there's like not really even anything horrific about that that transformation
0: it's what most of this movie does well in keeping a more comedic tone which is to never let you as the audience dwell too long on any of the horrific content that you're being presented with you're presented with it and as soon as you are then it's on to something else
3: exactly
2: yeah agreed
3: I have a few random things ab- that don't really have to do with whether it's horror or not. Just a thing to like, throw out there and see what you guys think about. Do it. <laughs> uh, so, well, one is Venkman's kind of a creep. Especially the <laughs> oh, fact yeah. that who brings heavy tranquilizers on a first date? Like, you know, he shows up and she's possessed and he's like, oh, I happen to have this big old tranquilizer. Like,
1: yeah. Grab my clone,
0: grab my Thorazine. I am ready for a night out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that to Mitz when we were watching it, too, is like the, the first his first encounter with her is like a cancelable offense nowadays.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was creepy. <laughs>
0: he just yeah and then going to her apartment and just being all intense about that and yeah it's and it's funny too because you know you watch it as a kid you're like this guy's my hero he's so cool then you watch it as an adult and you're like oh man i would never approach a woman that way that's horrible
1: and like just in all of bill murray's comedy around that time i don't know how bill murray became like the smooth guy in all the movies that he's in because He's just, I guess it's just like a confidence thing, and you're supposed to, at that time, you're supposed to just admire the confidence, but now, you know, it comes off as being very creepy and very intrusive, and if you did that to a girl today or anyone, that would be overstepping your boundaries. So
0: It's true, and he's not like the traditional leading man sort of guy either. I mean, clearly... I would have sex with Bill Murray, but I don't know. He's not normally my type, so. But somehow, because he's Bill Murray, he ends up being my type. I don't know how he does it, what sort of magic he pulls off.
2: I think that's what makes people like him as the womanizer, because it's so, you know, counterintuitive, I guess. <laughs> like, he's not rocking the six pack abs or anything like that.
0: Unless he's hiding him under a jumpsuit. That's true.
3: It's just the big BM.
1: What's often more desirable is the confidence that he has rather than the looks of him. Because, like, if you just stop and look at him, he's like a balding guy in his (laughs) forties.
0: Yeah, even then, he's you know his hairline's receding, but he hasn't full on shaved it or anything yet.
2: Now Sigourney Weaver, on the other hand, as with most movies from the eighties, is looking smokin'.
1: She's fine as hell. I would still
0: be very much into that. I don't even care. If she knocked on my door, I'd be into it. Even as Zul? Yeah. Even as Zul? No, because that's not okay.
3: <laughs> Consent.
0: Exactly. And as Bill Murray said, there's at least two people in there already, so it might be a bit crowded.
3: <laughs> the other thing about him being a bit of an asshat in this movie uh, is like, you know, the character Peck comes from the EPA. To like inspect the place and like yeah he's a jerk too but if both of them were just reasonable adults who were talking to each other a lot of the like drama could have been avoided (laughs) but instead they were both just jerks to each other right off the bat
1: it's true bill murray has like that that alpha male mentality but without the looks (laughs) And that's like what they put in every interaction that he has, not just with women, but with all the men around him and all the other people that he's interacting with. You know, when they arrive on scene, you know, he's like greeting all the New Yorkers and loving everybody and everybody's excited to see him.
3: (laughs) Right.
0: It's like the thing that it feels that's the reason why he's part of the Ghostbusters as a whole is you've got Ray and you've got. Egon who are actually busy mired in the science and the operation of things and then Venkman's just there as the uh, spokesman he's there to talk their way out of whatever trouble they've got going on it's just it's funny too you watch every one of those moments where one of them has to make a point or say something to anyone who's not a ghostbuster they're always basically like hey Venkman talk us out of it
3: yeah, and sometimes he does good, and other times, like, with uh, Peck and, like, the the dean from the college, he doesn't do so well, and they're just not taking in any of his bullshit. And, like, they're kind of right to do it, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true, because you think about when the dean kicks him out, everything that he says about what Bankman at least is doing is 100% accurate because you know, you're know you seeing the experiment where he's like, does oh, this have an effect on ESP? And he's just basically using it to Mac on a girl. So it's like, yeah, if this was a professor at a college that you went to, you'd be so glad to find out the dean fired him. <laughs> you're like, yes, that's exactly what needed to happen. And then if you had some strange organization dealing in metaphysics saying that they're trapping ghosts in some sort of technological unknown piece of equipment in their basement yes you would want the epa or someone coming and checking this thing out and seeing what's going on with it in terms of the movie though you just roll with it like ah, oh, those guys are dicks just let them bust ghosts i'm
1: afraid, I ain't afraid of no ghosts
0: <laughs> well i do have an un unre- a slightly unrelated question so we've got ghostbusters afterlife coming out has everyone seen the trailers for that one yes i
2: saw it yeah I have not. I have only heard people speaking about it. Well, damn.
0: Well, what do you guys think on that one? Do you think that that one's going to end up being horror? Do you think it's just going to kind of continue more of the same tone? Are you excited to see it?
2: I would be surprised if it was horror, but I am willing to keep an open mind when I see it.
1: I think that if it is horror, it's only going to be like horror comedy and... They might do more with like effects and things like that just because obviously there's a huge time gap between this and that previous one. But yeah, I'm super excited to see it because I like Bill Murray and I like all the characters. I think, is Rick Moranis
3: going to be in this one too?
0: You know, I haven't heard, but maybe I'll check into that real quick.
3: I thought I did see that he was going to be in it. Um, But yeah, I guess for my part, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I think Whatever it is, it'll hopefully be a fun ride. I, I agree that I w- I would be surprised if it is horror. If this was horror, I think it would be a really a really good movie. I'm I'm excited for it either way, I guess.
2: I hope Rick Moranis is in it. He's such a highlight in the original.
3: I don't see
1: Rick Moranis in the credits for the cast, which kind of sucks, but.
0: Yeah, I was trying to look through and see if I could find anything about him being in it, but it doesn't look like it. But you never know. It's possible. It's a surprise.
1: I'm excited for Finn Wolfhard to be in it, because he's become like the consummate child actor in horror nowadays. He's always very good in these things. It looks like most... Most of the original cast is back. Of course, uh, Harold Ramis is not because he passed away. but
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see this one, too. I, I Like you said, I would like the cast, too. I agree. I doubt it's probably going to end up leaning much harder into horror than any of the other installments have. But uh, that doesn't change the fact that I'm not super excited for it because I love Ghostbusters. So hopefully it'll be good.
3: Do-do-do-do-do-do. All
0: right, thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of Visit Horror, and uh, we'll maybe do some more bonus episodes like this in the future, but otherwise you can expect to see one every other Friday, and our next one is still going to be The Killing of the Sacred Deer, so make sure and join us for that. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Farewell.
1: Was that Zool? Wow
0: thanks for joining us at is it horror we post new episodes every other friday i think we didn't give this movie a fair shake i think we missed something do you have a suggestion for future episodes do you just want to say hi you can follow us at is it horror on twitter we have a discord server coming soon you can also email us at is it horror podcast at gmail.com in the meantime stay safe and keep asking yourself is it horror